Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast. This is Reverend Mike Hogaboom's last sermon at LaGrave. We thank him for his 19 years of service to both our church and the surrounding community. In this sermon, he teaches us another lesson about hospitality and how we might be more like Christ. You're listening to An Upside Down Life by Reverend Mike Hogaboom. Here's what Jesus says in this parable. Be dressed and ready for service and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve and will have them recline at the table and will come and wait on them. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have let his house be broken into. You also must be ready because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. This is the word of the Lord. Sisters and brothers loved by Jesus Christ. It was 1992, and I was walking uh, through a neighborhood. It was a new neighborhood. Lisa and I had just moved into this neighborhood, and I was carrying in my hands a, a water pipe, a hose. It was from my bathroom and it connected my sink to the outlet and the, on the wall. I suppose I could have asked the landlord to do something about it, but being a new neighborhood and curious about my surroundings, I decided it was a great opportunity to explore. So I was walking through my neighborhood and I found, didn't take me very long, and I found exactly what I was looking for, a hardware store, and it had, had water hoses just to my eyes, exactly like the one I was holding in my hand. So uh, I stepped into the store, and, and here's where the story gets complicated. See, this was when we had moved to Istanbul, Turkey. Lisa and I had not been to language school yet. We had, I had probably six words and phrases under my belt that I could use comfortably, And I used one up right off the bat by saying, hello, how are you, as I stepped into the store. Greeted me in return, and then I used up the second phrase out of the six that I knew, and I said, got this? That was the level of my Turkish. He looked at my hose, and he he indicated that he he didn't have that uh, hose, and so... I used up the third out of my six. See, now now I've burned up already half of my Turkish at this point and said, where? And he started to direct me and speak and complete sentences and it completely didn't make sense to me. And suddenly he looked at my face and he stopped because he saw that I was completely lost. And and at that point, he told me to sit down. He took, took my hose and he handed it off to an uh, errand runner there in the store. Most Turkish shops have uh, guys who run errands for the shopkeeper. He told me to sit down, and he sat down next to me, and he 
pushed an intercom, button on an intercom, and a short while later, in stepped this young man. He was carrying in his hand a silver tray. And on the silver tray were two tulip-shaped glasses of steaming Turkish tea, each with two white sugar cubes. It was heavenly to sit there and drink tea while somebody else did my hardware shopping and I increased my Turkish vocabulary by at least three or four new words. It was a new experience, a brand new experience for me to be served tea in a hardware store. But that offer of tea, you see, was not new to that store owner. He was following the habits of hospitality that he had grown up in, in that Turkish culture. In Turkey, business is conducted with glasses of tea. If you come to somebody's house, the flood of food will just continue to pour onto your plate until you leave just enough leftovers to indicate that you are done. These are the habits of hospitality that are practiced throughout Turkey. Over time, we asked our friends about this, and they, they explained what, how, what motivates, what describes how they think about hospitality in their culture. And a translation goes something like this. The host serves the guest like royalty. The, the host serves the guest like royalty. After experiencing that kind of hospitality for six years that we lived there, it became evident to us that that approach to hospitality is very similar to the hospitality we find in Scripture. Just one example, Abraham in Genesis 18, three strangers show up at his tent and he kills the fatted calf and he gives them the best seat at the table. He treats his guests like royalty. That is the cultural context into which Jesus delivers this parable for us this morning. And the parable comes to us in, in, in three segments. The culture being, again, that, that the, guest, the host serves a guest with like royalty. There are three segments in this, in this parable. The first one is just simply verse 35. And in verse 35, Jesus Jesus puts his listeners, us, into the position of servants. And he does that really with two short commands. He says, be dressed, it's a command, be dressed and ready to serve. Now in that culture, be, to be dressed and ready to serve was very simple. It meant one thing. It meant take your robe, men, women, they all wore robes, hike it up, wrap a belt around your waist to keep it above your knees so you're free to move. Be dressed and ready to serve. Second, keep your lamps lit, says Jesus. That indicates to us that this parable, this story, takes place at night. Kenneth Bailey is a, is a Bible scholar, and he has done a deep dive into the cultural reference points found in, all, in many of Jesus' parables. He points out that in that time, ancient Near East, that there was a definite pecking order of of servants in a, in a household. There were servants, and then there were the servants to the servants, the slaves. The slaves were the ones who did 
the dirty jobs. Keeping your lamps lit all night long after a full day of work was definitely one of the dirty jobs. Jesus is addressing his listeners as servants of the servants, the slaves, the people who are worn out doing the dirty jobs. I wonder if you know what that's like. Do you know what it's like to be tired out and still waiting in the darkness with only a small lamp burning? Do you know what it's like to have worked all day long and the nighttime calls out yet more from you? I wonder if you know what it's like to have served or suffered and it has turned your world upside down, your life upside down. To be at the point where your service and your suffering has expended all of your energy. I think, for example, of those who serve behind the scenes. Sunday school teachers, year after year, teaching class after class and wondering, is it doing any good? Nursery attendants and Children's worship leaders who get overlooked sometimes because their service is behind the scenes. I think of our kids' hope mentors, faithfully showing up week after week, serving students whose lives are marked by poverty and violence. I think of churches, pastors, elders, deacons trying to hold a community together, and really anybody trying to hold an institution together in these times of partisan politics and pandemic. I think of wives and husbands, their marriages scotch-taped together with grit and prayer. Single parents working for $15 an hour and finding out that next month your rent and your child care costs are going up. That cancer patient waiting for a pathology report after a long, tiring nighttime of chemo and radiation. This is a parable for those who are anxious and afraid, who are tired out from suffering, from serving. This is a parable for people whose lives have been turned upside down. Which brings us then to the next element, the next segment in the parable, which is verse 36. And here Jesus introduces us to the master. And he tells us really just three important elements to the master, or three that we'll take a look at right now. One is that the master is at a wedding banquet. That's pretty straightforward. Second, this wedding banquet is probably being hosted by the master. It's probably taking place in the master's house. Again, Kenneth Bailey has a clue that we might miss. And to understand the clue, well, the clue is this. The master knocks at the door in order to alert the servants to open the door and let him in. You may recall that in the previous chapter, there's this parable about a friend coming to another friend at midnight, and he's probably on the outside gate, and from that standpoint, he needs to yell, shout out, in order to wake those inside for them to come out and let him in and bring him bread. In this case, it's just the opposite. 
a knock on the door, and he gains entrance to the room where the servants are serving. That could be what's happening, but that idea is borne out with the next element of what we learn about the master. And that is that the master leaves the banquet while it is still underway, while it is still taking place. Now, what we read is that the, the master returns from the, from, the, um, from the banquet. He returns from the banquet. I read that. Maybe you think the same thing. The wedding banquet's over. The master comes home. He's expected. The servants let him in. End of story. That's how it sounds to my ears with that word return. But that word return, I learned, can also be uh, translated in other ways. Can mean to unloose or untie. It can mean depart. It can mean to leave. In that case, the master has left the banquet. His, his, uh, yeah, his leaving is unexpected. He initiates the leaving. He unties himself from his obligations as host. And here is the surprise in the parable that Jesus is telling. For people who have grown up in a context where the host treats his guests like royalty, this host is treating his guests dismissively. They're not like they're not worthy of his time or attention. This aha, this twist in the parable forces Jesus' listeners and it forces us today to ask a question, and that is why? Why would a master give up the conventions of hospitality and leave the banquet early? Why would a host leave his guest? And the answer is found in the third segment of the parable. In the third stanza, which is verses 37 and 38, Jesus brings together those servants and the master. Remember, those servants have been serving all day long, getting ready for this banquet. Maybe they've been serving all week long, you know, scrubbing the floors and washing the tablecloths. They've been out in the garden harvesting vegetables and herbs. They've been mashing chickpeas for the hummus. They've been uh, slaughtering the goats and the oxen for the feast. They've been chopping the firewood and starting the fires, and they are exhausted. And now it's nighttime, their lamps are lit, and they are played out. That's when they hear this knock on the door. Who could it be? Because they can hear the party is still going on. The sounds are echoing down the hallway and making it to the room where the servants are, are quartered. Maybe it's the steward demanding they go into the cellar to get more wine. So they open the door and there, to their shock, is the master. He quickly enters the room, drops the latch, and commands them all to push the tables into the center of the room, draw up the cushions, and recline around the table. And the master steps out for just a minute and comes back. And the master has taken his wedding robe 
and hiked it up over his knees and taken the belt and wrapped it around his waist. The master is now the servant. The master has dressed himself and become a slave so that he can now serve his servants. Astonished, astonished, they watch, these servants watch as the master takes, well, in my imagination, he takes one of the tablecloths from the banquet and as he, as he prepares this table before his servants, laying out the cloth and revealing to them the roasted goat and the yogurt, the bread and the wine and the bitter herbs, he prepares a table for them. He serves his slaves like royalty. I tried to think of an example, you know, of, of, of the powerful in our world serving the poor in this way. I thought, oh, maybe it's like celebrities, you know, going to serve at a, at a soup kitchen, homeless shelter. Maybe it's like a politician going to a disaster site and uh, handing out relief supplies. I could not think of an example that is as shocking and upending as Jesus' parable here because the master, the master abandons, abandons his guests in order to serve his slaves. This master has turned hospitality upside down. The master becomes the slaves, and the slaves, through his service, become elevated to the standing of royalty. Friends, when, when we view this parable, as we should, through the lens of the life of Jesus, I think we begin to see that Jesus himself lived this upside-down kind of life. By his incarnation, Jesus let go of the glory of heaven and he came to this earth, dwelt with us, not to be served, but to serve. By his sacrificial love, he laid down his life and forgave even his enemies. By his resurrection, he transforms those who are first to last. And he transforms those who are last and least and lost and he makes them first in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus lived this upside down kind of life. And so today, if you come here and your hearts are, are full of gratitude and your life is right side up, then this is a, a reminder of where all of that grace and blessing flows from God's love for us. But if you come here today and your life is upside down, then I have good news for you. That this Jesus, this, this master, he transforms all of his glory into the towel that he wrapped around his waist and served his servants. He's the one who provides a meal for us that with his body, he gives us strength 
to continue on. And with his blood, with his blood, he restores us. This, this is the mystery of our faith. Not so much that Jesus comes and rescues us out of our service or our suffering. But that Jesus, our Savior, enters into our suffering and into our service. And by his glory, he transforms it all to advance his mission in this world. That's the first mystery. But there's another mystery here. I want to touch on this mystery as the last sermon as your pastor. As many, uh, some of you, most of you know, but if you're visiting, this is my last uh, service here, my last sermon. And during this time of transition or discernment, many of you have written, emailed, and talked to me. and, And you say you're happy for this new chapter of ministry for me and Lisa. And you're also sad to see us go. Well, for what it's worth, that's exactly how we feel. It's good. It's actually good to be sad, to be moving on. Now, the most common theme, one of the common themes that you've all written about, spoken to me about, is how much you've appreciated being led in prayer and gathered in prayer, guided by the Psalms. The reason... The reason that I turn so often to the Psalms to lead us in prayer is because that is how I learned to pray from our neighbors in Heartside. Their lives are upside down. Poverty, addiction, racism, immigration, mental illness, And they taught me how to pray. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? These prayers draw me in because of what I've learned about how tightly they hold on to faith and to our Savior. And this is the mystery of this parable. Do you want to know how to wait and watch for this Savior who lived an upside-down life? Your opportunity is to offer this kind of upside-down hospitality that treats the guest like royalty. Like royalty. This too is a mystery of our faith. Because as we participate with our Savior in this kind of hospitality, well, we become transformed into the loving likeness of Jesus Christ. And that is a surprising gift. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, You have invited us to follow you into so many uh, hard and wonderful places. And each and every time we discover that you are there ahead of us bringing grace and truth and love and, and mercy. Continue to give us strength 
for this journey. Grace and love for one another so that we would be a testimony, a light here in the city and under the cross. In your name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to LaGrave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.